Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Oh, what's up, Rebels? So glad all you powerful parents could join us today. We appreciate you. Thank you for sharing the podcast. We are growing like crazy, and it's because of all you parents out there, all you spouses, helping people subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. We appreciate it so much. And to all the parents, do you ever feel overwhelmed about raising our kids in this crazy high-performance world? Sometimes you think back on the families you were raised in, and it causes doubt and insecurity. And everywhere in media, Positive examples of family life are nowhere to be found. It's crazy. Today's podcast is so much fun and it's so great. Mark and Lisa Scandret are on the broadcast. They understand these challenges and they've got encouraging words to lift you up in your parenting journey today. And we appreciate them. Man, I love having couples on that just give you meat right now that's going to make you feel better about the job you're doing. And this portion of the podcast is sponsored by The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those persecuted around the world for more than 50 years. Persecution.com. And as always, MyPillow, MyPillow.com, code word rebel for a big discount on a four-pack of pillows. Let's jump into the podcast. Mark and Lisa Scandrett on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Mark and Lisa, thanks for being on the broadcast today. We know our listeners are going to enjoy your book. Um, give us a little background on on uh, Becoming and Belonging. What prompted you guys to write this and, and also to write together? Uh, it's one thing to work alone. It's another thing to work with your spouse. And how was that working together and kind of crafting this project? Wow, that's a good question. Um, well, Lisa and I sent our child off to college a couple of years ago, and we have been creating resources um, about putting the teachings of Christ into practice in everyday life for mm-hmm. a few years now. And um, so we thought at this stage of life, we really wanted to reflect on our family experience. And um, we often have young, young parents come to us and say, hey, um, you know, how did you guys do it? You were able to like live in an inner city and um, be involved in ministry and somehow um, have a really close knit um, family as well. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, uh, this seemed like a good time to kind of reflect on those things and, and try and put down in a book, some of the, pra- the skills and practices we felt like were most helpful to us mm-hmm. along with some of our, you know, stories of successes and failures along the way. Um, so, Lisa, maybe you can say something about writing together. (laughs) Well, you know, Mark and I like to do projects together. Um, This is a bigger project than we've accomplished in quite a while together. Uh, We just felt like um, it would be a a good project for us to enter a new stage in our life, but also a... um, Oh, oftentimes when you read a book on family, you get one perspective or another. Mm-hmm. The yeah. parent, you yeah. know, the 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 mother's perspective or the father's perspective, and we thought it would be interesting to try to put those two things together. And um, and I don't know, see if we could get a more well-rounded perspective and 
and that this was good times to do it while mm. all these were still fresh in our heads. So, um, yeah, writing is difficult, and writing with another person is um, tricky sometimes, but it's it's been good work to do together. So we've, you know, we've had our bumps along the way, but I think that's pretty standard. Oh, it totally standard. It practice, uh, practice some of the things in the book a little bit more. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so what's... Some of that connecting and communicating kind of thing. Yeah, Ryan and I so. definitely understand that. We've launched out on a couple few projects and you know at the end of the day it always brings us closer together usually yeah <laughs> you know yeah. um it, it's a bit it's a, it, it could be a bit ironic when we're writing a chapter about you know love and respect and living in reconciled <laughs> relationships and we're fighting about it. exactly oh, yep, yeah we get it yeah definitely so how do you what for you guys what's your hope what do you think that families will be helped from this book mm-hmm. like what are the key things that we could share with our listeners today yeah, behind the title, um, we we think family can be a place of belonging where people feel safe, cared for, and loved. But we also think family for uh, is a place of becoming where we help each other uh, become all that we were made to be for the good of the world, to participate in God's kingdom. So it's um, our sense is that that. Um, a lot of the, a lot of what's communicated to families is about being a good family uh, for yourselves. But um, we we think that that um, the goal, ultimate goal, is to be a blessing to others as well. Mm. Awesome. I like that. I like where um, you feel belong. You feel like you belong in a place. That's one of the themes we've been having at Rebel Parenting. We had Dr. Josh Straub on talking about raising emotionally healthy kids. His book Safe House. Uh, where you have a place to belong. I love, though, it's belonging and becoming. You're becoming something. You're not going to be the same person you started when you entered this family at birth or at adoption or at foster, wherever it was, and you're going to become something through this family and seeing that as an agent of change. I really like that. You believe in a family vision, and um, I'll be honest with our listeners. Laura and I have not done a vision for our family yet. We want to... And we're telling people, even if you're just thinking about it, even if that thought is pondering, you know, it's wandering around your head and it's bouncing around your brain, that's a good start. But talk about creating a vision for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, our, we, we stumbled into this practice because of a place we were at in our family. Um, we had two kids and, a, and a, another one in the way. And it felt like um, we weren't, we weren't the family we wanted to be. Um, life was full, busy. There's lots of diaper changes and kids up at night cheating. <laughs> okay. And it was, and um, I had a mentor encourage me to put down on paper, what's your family about? And so one mm-hmm. night after putting the kids to bed, uh, before we got too tired to think or talk, we, <laughs> we wrote out on a piece of paper, this is, this is our vision for what, what, what we're to be about as a family. Mm-hmm. And um, it was five simple statements. Um, lo- love God and one another. Um, nurture healthy fam- family dynamics. Use our gifts to serve. Offer hospitality and care, especially to those in struggle and suffering. And live gratefully, creatively, and sustainably. Oh, and nice. I, we found that most many families have a sense of what they want to be about. Yeah. But until, until like it's on the tip of your tongue, Mm -hmm. right. But until Mm -hmm. you get it, get it, get it articulated, 
it, you can't use it as a guide for decision making. Mm, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've found most useful about being able to articulate that purpose is then you can use it as a way to weigh your options and make decisions. Mm, so, yeah. Um, it, it can it can help us. You know, many of us feel overwhelmed by schedule and by all the opportunities. But if we know what we want to be about, then we can kind of use that to guide our choices. Hmm. So if we need to do some weeding out of some things or if we're feeling overwhelmed, we can say, you know what, Hmm. these activities we're doing over here, they're not really helping us get where we want to be as a family. Maybe we just don't need to do those for a little while. Hmm. Um, And so it's, it's been really good for us to just be able to remind ourselves when we're making choices, how does this fit with, what we want to be about. So when you started me. coming up with your vision, did your kids were fairly young, I'm assuming? They were yeah, tiny. They were, oh, okay. they were too young to participate in the conversation. But we, we've um, walked alongside many other families who maybe they came to this at a little later stage. So the, the parents would have a conversation, but then also include the kids in it nice. and come up with um, a purpose statement. And later along the way with our kids, um, we'd ask them, what do you think our family's about? And they would, it was pretty cool to see them be able to articulate Mm. basically from the environment itself, the things that we put down on our, Mm -hmm. our purpose agreement. It's nice too, because it does allow you to make informed decisions. You know, at Rebel Parenting, if this broadcast, if we're going to do something on air, it's either going to help you be a better spouse or a better parent. And that's it. And we get all kinds mm-hmm. of amazing books from amazing authors and they're heartfelt and they're earnest and they're, you can learn yeah. so much from them. But if it's not about being a better spouse or a better parent, it's got to be for someone else's program because that's, and it's, it's, yeah. it's better because yeah. of that. How has that worked in your family where you say yes to certain things and no to certain things? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I would say what it has done is that it's helped it's helped us to um, be more confident in in choosing to do some things differently. Like mm-hmm. um, our kids were involved in activities and so on, but because there's three of them, we limited the amount that mm-hmm. they were involved in so yeah. that they weren't overscheduled and. Um, at times, there that wasn't that wasn't what all their friends were doing. Mm, yeah, and you know, so it was good to be able to say, "Hey, we need to." There's these other things that we want to do as a family. We need to be connected. We have these other rhythms that help us live out our purpose. And if you're over, you know, if you're over scheduled, then we can't do all the things. Yeah. So. Lisa, you just mentioned rhythm. Can you um, talk about rhythm? Give us the definition of it and maybe what it looks like in your life. Yeah, I like to say that rhythms um, are regular and repeated pockets of time that we spend on specific activities, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly. Mm-hmm. But what they do is, and lots of people already have some rhythms, like bedtime routines or oh, yeah. family dinner things like that. Okay. But what what rhythms can do is help us to make our values part of the fabric of our lives. So let's say mm. that your family wants to be about showing hospitality. Yeah. 
well, you need this time on your schedule when you're going to do that. <laughs> to, have them, to actually have it happen. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> not just nice. mental ascent. Yeah. Yeah. If your kids are at Little League and Ballet <laughs> right. every night like, and you never have anybody over, well, then maybe it's not part of your vision. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Perfect. But a lot of us have really good impulses, things that we'd love to be about as a family, but mm. we need to sit down at some point and make sure that those things that we want to be about are showing up on our schedule. So mm. whether it's being a part of a regular service project in your neighborhood or yeah. having um, lonely people over for dinner or mm. whether wow. it's just some of the nurturing things for your family, like saying, hey, we're going to do this uh, the third Friday of the month or, okay. um, you know, our family on Friday nights does pizza and a movie but not pizza <laughs> you know yeah. you know but it can be a, a rhythm could be anything but mm. the thing it's helpful for is once you get a rhythm established it's not something that you have to decide about every time mm. mm-hmm. it's just part of what you do and those things can shift and change over the years as we all grow and schedules shift and change but for a time they're a really regular Thing that everybody can count on. Yeah, it's interesting. And, um, we didn't plan it this way, but we do Taco Tuesdays and we do game night with our kids and then we do Friday night movie night. And that has changed the rhythm of our family. And it's interesting. It allows us, this week was a rough week for me. I had maybe the worst Monday, Tuesday in a few years. And I remember on Tuesday, halfway through the day, I remember thinking, oh, it's Taco Tuesday. And I called Laura and I was like, I'm having a horrible rotten day. I'm so glad it's Taco Tuesday. Let's make sure we do something fun tonight. And it was that, oh yeah, the rhythm of our family. We get fun on Tuesdays and we've, we're surely gonna have fun on Friday too. And even when I'm having a bad time in the week because I've we've planned ahead, we've planned that rhythm in our life, we look forward mm-hmm. to those breaks of, you know, when work does get stressful or home life gets stressful, we've, you know, scheduled that in. Yeah, yeah, and everybody right starts to look forward to those things. Mm-hmm. So if you in guys... Fact, for a while, our family had a work rhythm of like a, a cleaning schedule. And it was great because sometimes on a Saturday morning, the last thing I wanted to do was <laughs> clean the house. Yeah. But the kids were like, oh, we got to... So what's my job this week? And I'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, they're ready to go. Here we go. We're going to clean the house, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So you can just add in things that will contribute to the family. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. You know, there's so many good points in this book, and we don't want to give away all of the book. But, um, Mark, in uh, in one of the chapters, you talk about being, quote, unquote, crabby daddy. and Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the vulnerability that came from this story, and that's another big tenet in Rebel Parenting. The more vulnerable you can be with your spouse and your kids – the better home life you're going to have. Can you tell the Krabby yeah. Daddy story? Yeah. So there used to be this guy that would show up randomly at our house, walk walk in the door without knocking, and just start <laughs> ordering people around and telling people pick this up and put that away and why isn't this done? And we would all think, who is this guy? What, really? What right does he think he has to come into our house? And the kids gave him a nickname. They started calling him Krabby Dad. Mm. And of course, Krabby Dad was me. And I would um, get to that point where I'm just so tired and uh, like maybe stressed out. And 
I'd blow my top. Like, uh, I had no access to the prefrontal cortex. <laughs> it's all fight or flight. Yeah. Uh, animal You're my responses. best friend for saying prefrontal cortex. You are like my new best friend. I use that all the time. I'm so embarrassed because for, honestly, the first maybe six years of Lincoln's life, I was Krabby Daddy. And it came Not from, all the time. At times. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Laura. She's never nice to me. And, yeah. And I would, I would pray, you know, because that's how, how I was raised to think. I, I just ask God, help me to not be this way right now. Yeah. Help mm-hmm. me to be kind and loving. And unfortunately, God never answered my prayer. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a deeply theological reason for that. I had designed my life in a way that Krabby Dad would regularly show up. Mm-hmm. So God couldn't do something in me that I disagreed with. And so I was learning at the time more about how, how we grow and change as followers of Jesus. And what I, what, I, what I did was I thought, what happens in the two weeks before Krabby Dad shows up? And Krabby Dad shows up when Mark Scandrett is tired, mm. he's stressed out, yeah. um, when he's not exercising, when he's drinking too much caffeine and eating too many sugary <laughs> snacks. Well, why is why is this guy so exhausted? And it's it, it had to do with working too much. Mm-hmm. And why is why am I working too much? Because I have the script that says I'm only valuable or worth something if I'm achieving or accomplishing something Whoa. in the world. It's um, my my sense of worth. I'm trying to build it on on those things rather than on my uh, you know uh, inherent belovedness. Mm. So. I realized that if I didn't want Krabby Dad to show up, I was going to have to change some things in my life and consider getting eight hours of sleep, uh, mm-hmm. limiting the number of hours that I would work, changing some of my diet habits, making making exercise a priority because it may, helps me be a, be a better dad and spouse. Mm-hmm. And what um, and then I needed to do some work on those scripts, you know, meditating on scripture that helped me remember that I'm a beloved child of God, that it's not what I do or can earn, but, um, but it's that, that belovedness is there already. And um, I really dedicated myself to that. And we're in a, we're in a faith community where uh, once a year, often during Lent, we would each share with each other about a struggle like this and then commit to a, a 40-day plan for some changes we're going to make in our life to cooperate with God's work in us. And um, the results were pretty dramatic, enough so that the, the kids remember a time when Krabby Dad was around a lot, and then suddenly he disappeared. <laughs> and, and our kids got from that, I think, hey, Dad has struggles, but Dad can grow and change. Yep. And I'm the same way. I, I have struggles in my w- walk towards God's light and maturity and Christ-likeness. And it's okay to, it's, it's, it's okay to say, here's, here's what my struggle is. And then we can support each other to take new steps in our lives to mm-hmm. see change happen. Perfect. I love the community aspect of it too, like how you said about your faith community. Just having a team to support you to uh, to tackle the things that that mm-hmm. we struggle with. I mean, that's. I think you're talking to yeah. most we, people in America right now. <laughs> and we've wanted to create a culture in our family where 
we're, we want to, we, we want to hold each other's belovedness and brokenness together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, I, and I, I think that's a, that's an interesting tension to, to navigate where, we want to be, I think, ruthlessly honest with what our struggles are. Hey, that's not working, or that attitude. Um, you know, uh, I can see the look on your face. You look, you don't look happy inside right now. Um, tell me what what you're thinking. What's going on? Or when you when you, when you act like that, this, this do you, are you noticing what's happening in your relationships? Those kind of honest conversations. But at the same time. We want to be really hopeful and supportive and remind each other, you're created for more than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the power of resurrection is available to you to help you uh, agree with and, um, and take steps uh, to, to learn to live, live in the life that you were made for. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I really like how you took responsibility for that, Mark, that you're looking at patterns. I, I was born with an autoimmune disease, and for about three years, I took a picture of every single thing I ate because I was trying to figure out what's causing mm-hmm. these flare-ups. Why am I getting sick You know, every so often? And a big one was diet. Mm-hmm. And you've attacked, you've, you've mm-hmm. done the same thing with uh, attitude and and you know where you are mentally or where you are emotionally and I love that and I think parents out there that are listening it's a really interesting exercise to take when you start blowing up when you start losing it when you get home frustrated when you're not ready to be a parent what's been the pattern have you gotten enough sleep have you eaten that day I mean Lauren have I've been exercised? talking about that the last yeah. couple of weeks yeah. have you exercised all those things can change how you act and feel about your family members. That's a big deal. Well, and about yourself yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because none and of us like to become crappy dad or crappy mom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't enjoy being in that space. Totally. And we so. do have those times where, I think we do have those times where even if we're trying to live well, we are vulnerable or, you know, we, we experience a crisis or difficulty that just overwhelms us. And what we've learned to do in our family is to, to let each other know, Hey, I'm feeling really vulnerable or it's that time mm-hmm. of the month. Or, um, I think I'm, a, I think I'm really fighting being sick. So I'm, I'm more emotional than usual. And, um, so I'm going to need everybody to be a little more gentle with me, or I think I might need to spend some time alone tonight. Um, as a way to kind of manage some of, some of that. Yeah. And you're just being honest. I love that. You're being, you're communicating, you're expressing what your needs are. I think so often in relationships, Laura and I have been together for 12 years. We've been married for 11 and a half. And there are times we just assume the other person knows how I feel. Well, of course, Laura knows how I feel. She knows mm-hmm. the stresses of my job and she was there at the office and she knows about this and that. And she surely knows how I feel. Yeah. And oftentimes doesn't. I just need to say, hey, I'm really sad or I'm stressed or I'm tired or whatever those are. And that is building in your relationship too. Mm. Well, yeah. The more we can do together as couples, the more that um, our kids can see it happening and learn to do it themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, mo- we can teach, but we can also model, which is probably the more powerful teacher. Sure. Um, and when we... And when we make those mistakes to then um, ask for forgiveness, either of our spouse or of our children, mm. I had a conversation with our oldest recently. She said, you know, I think that that's one of the things that's been really good is that you and you and dad could 
tell us when you were wrong mm, or when you yeah. had treated us wrongly. She said, because a lot of my friends' parents aren't able to do that. Yeah. And but, she said, but we all know when we've been treated wrongly. So you ad- admitting it gives me a lot of respect for you. Mm. And then we can we can move on. We can heal our relationship and move on instead of having that be something that comes between us. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of parents are afraid that if they admit that they're that they don't know what they're doing, that they've made mistakes, that their kids will lose respect. And I think it's, I think it's actually the opposite, that we can be honest and um, about those mistakes and that making the repairs needed once we admit that can actually strengthen our relationship. Oh, yeah. We've, I've mentioned this before. I'm going to mention it again until people actually hear and understand it. Uh, Fuller Theological Seminary did a project called Sticky Faith. How do you get your faith to stick to your kids? How does their faith stick to them? One of their big tenets is admit when you're wrong to your kids so you don't set them set them up for failure. If you never admit you're yeah. wrong, you're implying you can be perfect. And we all know you can't. It's better if you admit when you're wrong. Before we go, one of the last things is you talk about how you've taught your kids that their contribution in your family is foundational to their work later on in life. Um, That's a big one. That's a really important concept to teach to kids. How have you done that? How has that played out in your life where what they're doing in the home, whether it's chores or how they treat people, really is going to affect how they work outside the home later in life? Yeah. Lisa loves to call this being a a student of your child or spouse Mm. and kind of noticing what, um, um, what, what makes this person tick and what motivates them and um, what, what are they made to, to do um, to contribute to the greater good that God desires Mm. in the world. So I think in our family, we try to just start noticing those things when the kids were pretty small and kind of taking mental note of it, but also mentioning to them, man, you seem really alive when you're doing this activity. Um, one of our one of our kids, it wasn't his first word, but it was close to the first words. It was the word actually. And huh. he just loved telling people, here's how things, here's, here's how, how, how it works. And he's real interested in the sciences. And mm-hmm. so we tried to provide him with opportunities to, um, uh, be out in nature and um, go on the dinosaur dig. And mm-hmm. um, eventually, as a teenager, he did an internship at a museum. But along the way, we'd say, you know, um, it seems like you're really made for this and you love it. You like to explain things and investigate. And then to try and connect that with a bigger picture of um, God's kingdom, to mm-hmm. say, maybe mm-hmm. you're going to use those skills to help develop a a more efficient fuel cells so that we um, care for the earth better mm. as humanity or w- yeah. whatever it might be. Man, that's powerful. And it gives kids so much belief yeah. in themselves. You see an adult going, wow, you're really good at that. And they're like, wow, I am. That's really interesting. I can, as an adult, when someone <laughs> says, you're really good at this, Ryan, I get like, oh, really? Thank you. You know, and <laughs> doing that with a kid to yeah. giving them a hope for the future. Not only are you good at this now, but just think of how you could use this in the future to help others. That is so, so powerful. Um, I did want to just ask one thing a little bit about your labs. Um, oh, yeah. I just want to touch on that. I oh, mean, I'm not. interested in learning myself, but I just want, what is the learning lab? We get a 
we get a group of people together and delve um, into one of the teachings of Jesus and ask ourselves, um, what is something I can do right now to live further into this into this teaching? Um, so Mark mentioned the um, the one that was related to Krabby Dad, which we called Experiments in Truth. And in that learning lab, we were examining how we can um, bring the broken parts of our life more fully into reality of God. Like how, how can we can be moving more to be. And so people would identify their, the places in life where they struggled and come up with um, a, a heart action and a, like kind of a body Oh, uh, heart, body, and mind yeah, practice. Like, they right. could practice for the next six weeks huh. to see if those things were helpful to them. Or if the things and, shifted uh, that you wanted to fix or change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we tried to encourage people. We're using the word lab because this is an experiment. Yeah. Like, maybe these practices you'll find to be very helpful for you. Maybe some of the practices that you choose, hmm, aren't so helpful, but it's okay to try and yeah. it's okay to get the information about what was helpful and what was not. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's, that's the learning lab. I like it. I love it's, that idea. Taking, yeah. taking, taking the teachings of Jesus and then saying, how can we actually put feet on these? Totally. How do we make this show up in our lives? Yeah, Ryan and I always kind of say that we're human guinea pigs. We'll just try anything. But I love the extent yeah. of just putting it, being a, a lab rat for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to tackle my crabbiness, you know, and, and look at mind, body, and soul and what I can do to adjust those. Yeah. Awesome. I like the time frame, too, because if you try something for six weeks, it gives you an opportunity at the end to reflect back. Like, I started meditating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a, what's... 15 day streak right now and it would be interesting to go I'm going to do six weeks every day and look back and see what the change was or try a diet or a scripture or something to then I think I love the part where there's a set time to where we can evaluate should we continue this or is this not really helpful to us Mm -hmm. well and then you're not a victim to it anymore Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to make a change if you think that you have to. It has to be permanent. Yeah. It's a lot easier to try something new on mm. um, if, if there's a fixed amount of time. We've also done them where we like we live somewhere where there's a lot of people who live outside, and so for six weeks a group of us would do meals underneath the freeway overpass, or when wow. we became aware of issues of human trafficking. Yeah. We'd gather a group of people and say, we're going to take a step each week in our lives to try and try and be modern day abolitionists. And it's, it's just been a great way to learn and grow. Mm. Um, we did another one on um, time and money mm. and gratitude and contentment. And so every week we'd have a step, create a time budget or um, actually create, create a spending plan and come share it with the group, yeah, a yearly budget. And, and do you have to really be powerful. present for these labs or like, do you have to be in SF or could people do it from like, Online. could well, we do it from here? Yeah, we, we, um, we, we did, we did the labs in San Francisco for about 10 years. I've taken them on the road a bit now and we just started experimenting with online. So we did one last fall cool. that was, um, that was like in a zoom environment. 
yeah. and it went really well. So we, we hope we hope to do more of that in the future. Well, and yeah. we've written about it. I wrote a book called Thoughts in the Way of Jesus. And then um, um, one of the labs we turned into a book called um, Free, Spending okay. Your Time and Money on What Matters Most. So, nice. so we've kind of started trying to create resources based on those labs so that uh, uh, somebody could pick pick one of those up and do the lab with a group of friends. Yeah. Well, keep me posted if you guys do another one online. I would um, yeah, okay. seriously be interested. Too, for sure. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Mark and Lisa, we appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Bless you guys. Thanks so much for having hey, us. Great to be with you guys. Thank you to Mark and Lisa Skendret for coming on the podcast today, encouraging all of you powerful parents out there. My goodness, what a great couple. Thanks also to The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those persecuted around the world for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. Definitely check them out. And MyPillow, MyPillow.com, code word rebel for a discount on a big pack of pillows. In fact, uh, they heard about our puppy and having problems. They sent us a pet bed. So uh, I'll post photos of that on Instagram. You'll love it. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.